I'm sure as teachers, we can all think of something in the education system that just doesn't measure up, like how little students are taught about measurement. And that's why I invited Kelly Hogan on the show to share about how we can close that gap in our students' learning inch by inch. Let's get started. Welcome to Solving for the Undefined podcast. I'm your host, Johanna, founder of Miss Kuiper's Classroom the place that equips teachers in creating a healthy math classroom where students can thrive, no matter their academic abilities. But it's not always about the numbers, and that's why I'm here, bringing you the formulas to solve your problems, math and otherwise, plus strategies on cultivating that necessary math mindset. And that's what you can count on. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of Solving for the Undefined podcast. I am joined today by Kelly, second time on the show. And today we're going to be talking about something that we haven't talked about yet before. So I'm super excited about it. Welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be back with you. I know it's going to be a great episode. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am... Kelly Hogan. I'm an elementary K through six STEAM teacher. I became a STEAM teacher after about 12 plus years of classroom teaching English as a new language and math AIS. Um, most of my time was in third grade and sixth grade, which are actually are my favorite math curriculums. And this will be my third year in STEAM going into September. Um, And I always love teaching as a classroom teacher, but this is my new favorite thing about teaching. So it's really exciting to make a transition and still keep the math piece that means so much to me and add on to it and do more. Yeah. And I'm sure this being in that STEAM position has really ignited that fire of what we're talking about today, which is measurement and integrating it more into our classroom because it is such a real world concept that students need more practice with. And so I'm sure that was a a huge piece of that. So can you tell us a little bit more about what got you interested and excited about measurement? Sure. I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I think I've always kind of been interested in measurement at some base level. So I grew up in a house where my dad is very handy and would always do a lot of projects and From the time I was four or five years old, he had me in the garage with him while he was measuring out wood and cutting things. So I always kind of saw the um, behavior of measurement modeled for me in some way. So I think for me, I had the experience of seeing it used before I really knew what it was, which actually was pretty cool. Um, And then I, I told a story on my Instagram or TikTok about how when I was a little kid, I would measure boxes inside my mom's closet that were wrapped for Christmas and then ride my bike to Toys R Us and measure the boxes at Toys R Us to see what I had gotten. So I know I always had some kind of like vested interest in the practicality of measurement. Um, And then when I became a teacher, my interest in measurement really started to Um, intensify when I was teaching third grade and I was working with my students on area. Area happens to be one of my favorite topics to teach. Um, I think that's why third and sixth grade are my favorite curriculums because they're the most area heavy. Um, I found that hands-on area problems, which I like to give my students, like I would tape out a shape on the floor and ask them to measure it and find the area. 
um, the students and my students struggled with that practical part of the problem. So it was that actual measurement piece. Then years later, when I was teaching sixth grade with more advanced area concepts, I was seeing the same thing with my students making the same common errors with measurement when they were in third grade, even these were, even though these were different students, different school districts, um, just common errors in measurement. And then when I made that switch into STEAM, I had this knowledge kind of in my proverbial toolbox or backpack that this was already something my students would probably kind of struggle to connect with. So measurement became kind of a priority in all of my challenges that I give my students. Um, I always like to use it as a constraint or a component of a challenge age appropriately. And it gives me an opportunity to put measuring tools in my kiddos' hands and to actually talk about the pieces of measurement that they struggle on. And I think it's big because measurement is such a huge practical life skill and it's a big miss in common core state standards that it doesn't spend more time on it. It really just touches on it briefly, moves on, but so many professions involve the use of measurement skills, whether it's trades or kids who go into engineering or things right now in up and coming areas like game design and all that like AI kind of design stuff. And even if kids don't use it in their career, it's eventually important in their home life or when they're going to college or renting apartments and scale becomes really important. But if you don't have that measurement piece, you're, you're not going to have scale. So I, it's definitely become one of my big math soapboxes is like, we all need to be able to measure fluently and understand what we're looking at when we're measuring. Yeah. Uh, you said so many great things, but the first thing is I absolutely love that you would measure boxes in your mom's closet and then go to Toys R Us to see which ones match. That is that is so cool. And I could see that being a really cool uh, classroom activity, too, of measuring a unknown item and then trying to match it to something else in the classroom. That could also be a really cool hands-on activity. Too. I like that. I'm actually writing it down because I would totally use that. I hadn't even thought to bring that to the classroom, but that was like me just like a nerdy like fifth grader who was a latchkey kid, which I don't even know if that exists anymore, but I would go home to an empty house and then apparently in the cold of December riding ride my bike to <laughs> Toys R Us. But um, and my mom had no knowledge of this. I'm 40 years old. I just told her about it last year when I was 39 and she was floored. But yeah, I was taking data, was measuring, taking data and going to Toys R Us with my ruler and um, just measuring those boxes. So it it worked for me. I made it work for me. But that's a great idea to, to do an unknown object and then match it. I'm, I'm writing it down because I, nice. I, I love it. Some real world applications here. All right. So you kind of touched on it briefly that, and Common Core Standards touch on it briefly too, that measurement is only taught super briefly like there's a a common core i think it's second grade i'm i'm thinking back to like the instagram story i saw there's it's in second grade and maybe third or fourth grade like a brief kind of touch is that true the only time that if you really like dig into the standards and pull them apart the only time that it is explicitly stated that students should be using concrete measuring tools is in second grade after that, it's referenced in the abstract, either through area in fourth grade and fifth grade. I believe it's um, mentioned through like fractional measurement and conversion, but nothing 
it doesn't say anything about using the tools. And having taught in each of those grades, I know that there's not a lot of time. I know everybody is always talking about time as teaching, but like there's not a lot of time that if it's not already built in, that you might be less inclined to take the tools out and use them. Um, so I think it's really important that we start to find ways to integrate some authentic opportunities to just have the concrete measuring tool, that ruler in students' hands. So yeah, second grade. And then really the thread through Common Core State Standards and third through six is that we talk about measurement. We talk about area. We talk about volume. We're asking kids to answer these abstract questions about fish tanks and tissue boxes and cereal boxes and all of these things that Really, they don't have a mental framework for the actual size of it while they're working. Even if they can successfully work with the numbers, it remains abstract because of the lack of time that students have on task with rulers in hand. Yeah, and that actually reminds me of a problem that my students did regarding volume, and it was talking about filling up a swimming pool. And the answer that they came to didn't make sense. And when I asked them, like, does that make sense? They had no concept of, of does that make sense or not? Like, does that fit the context of the problem? Because that measurement piece is missing. There's nothing for them to grasp onto and say, like, this answer makes sense or this answer doesn't make sense. And I think that lends itself to what you're talking about of there's that brief piece of it. And then we talk about it with area and volume. But overall, it's missing that does this make sense piece. Mm -hmm. So with that, as math teachers, how can we address the challenges that students commonly face in understanding the measurement concepts? I think that the best ways to do it are really just to have have those rulers in students' hands. And I know I did mention time already. I think that it doesn't need to be something that we're spending a ton of time on, but it does be something does have to be something that we're doing frequently. So um, for me, one of the big things that I'm definitely working on with my students in September when we start measuring again is breaking down rulers visually in small pieces. So I think most students, not all, but most students are fairly comfortable with being able to measure two whole numbers, right? They they kind of understand the concept of number line, which is another great way to put rulers in their hands is ask them to use it as a number line. Um, but they understand the concept of measuring to whole numbers for the most part. But then when we start to get into those fractional units, um, I frequently, a question I'll get is like, what do all the lines mean? And, you know, we have to kind of get into connecting that to fractions when we're teaching fractions in third and fourth grade and having that ruler there. But what I really wish they made and what I hope to make as a printable is something that'll break down the ruler step by step. Your students maybe would print, you could print for them a ruler that has half inch measurements. And when they're comfortable with using those half inches fluently, then we can subdivide those half inches and create quarter inches on that printed ruler where they would write it in and start to really visualize and connect personally and break it down themselves before they pick up this ruler that already has sixteenths on it. And that for our students is incredibly confusing <laughs> because the, a lot of the times I think what hurts us as teachers with this and what hurts our students with this is that 
Fractions are another big thing that students really struggle with and that many adults I know that even I've talked to still admit that like, oh, I hated fractions. Fractions were so Mm -hmm. hard for me. So to then take that ruler and ask them to give you a fractional measurement without doing all the little steps in between just creates another point of frustration for them. So I really think having those rulers in hand, breaking them down into what all the lines are step by step, like Maybe you do a month of just measuring to half inch measurements. Maybe the next month you do measuring to quarter inch measurements and like build and then you can go back and spiral. And I think in the beginning, those rulers, of course, need to be in hand. But eventually, as they start to connect the visual to the physical is when you can maybe just project something on the board and you can show that item lined up with your ruler and then start to get that feedback and check in with them and make sure they know what's going on. Yeah, I my brain, the way I think is not linear. So I'm like constantly like thinking about things. And when you said like make your own rulers, there are so many people who do like resin pours and stuff. I wonder if you could make some sort of resin ruler that has just like the the half inches or the quarter inches and use those as like exemplars of modeling the the different things the different measurements available on a ruler. I think that could be a really cool math specific uh, teacher business. That would be so cool. That is really cool. And it's funny. I actually, I started like learning how to do some basic resin pours. So now I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, so I have cool. 3D printers in my lab. So I'm like, I wonder if I could make a mold, but that's, it's a great idea. I think there's not, I haven't been able to find on the market anything that is already broken down for teachers to use with students. I think that also growing up, like you have a ruler on your supply list almost every every year. And I think that's probably the least used item on anybody's supply list, which is mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. It's just used to draw straight lines. That's yep. it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm interrupting today's episode to ask you a vital question. Do you have the tools in your classroom for student success? Well, wonder no more because I have a way for you to check your work. My new guide, Seven Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success, has the top seven items you need in your classroom. From classroom staples to manipulatives that are often missed, this checklist will ensure that your students have a successful school year. Additionally, each item shows the best budget and splurge options. Download the 7 Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success after listening to today's episode by going to misskuyper.com guide. So as we're talking about like measurement and using rulers and using that as kind of like the baseline for understanding measurement, And I loved your idea of using a ruler as a number line just to kind of get students familiar with the ruler. And I think that would really help with the fractions as well, especially if you're laying out what each of those lines does mean. I know that measurement can be abstract at times or disconnected from other math concepts. And I know we've touched on it briefly about using area and volume, but how can we seamlessly integrate measurement into the broader math curriculum? So when we're integrating measurement into broader math curriculum, I think a lot of that is just, of course, being an expert in curriculum in your own curriculum. Obviously, you're not going to know every school year, but really knowing where you might have those 
teeny tiny opportunities where you can take out rulers or connect something to rulers or turn the ruler into a number line that would make sense and be effective for your students. It could be something like also a, a virtual manipulative. And actually there's a, there's a great one toy theater, which has tons of manipulatives. Their inch ruler, you can actually move the pointer and it will tell you what the fractional measurement of is for each one. So that's like a great kind of entry level point into talking about breaking it down into sixteenths. Um, but I think that's a great opportunity to connect to the curriculum. I also think that um, there's an opportunity when you're doing fractions in third, fourth, and fifth grade, and you're kind of reviewing and spiraling things to make fractional pieces that fit with that ruler where students can just kind of slide them in. And I know fraction tiles are probably a little too wide for the halves to be the right size, but that doesn't mean that we can't create something, even if it's hand-drawn and you just copy it and have the students cut out the pieces, just to connect like, oh, the half and half is here and that long line down the middle is the half line, right? And then you take those away and you can connect it to fourths. And I think that would make a big difference. I also think that there's just opportunity when you're doing your general base 10 number standards to bring in rulers there. So you know your curriculum well, and you know that maybe you're working on a topic that takes you a little less time. That's the day that you can pop out the rulers as like a little quick five-minute activity. Just get them with rulers in hand. Even ask them to give you a baseline by just drawing a line of a certain length and figuring out if it works, if it doesn't work. And then that's your, you know, like your jumping point or your pretest in a sense. Um, but I think it's really just finding those little tiny opportunities where you're like, oh, actually that would connect to measurement. Or I can ask this question in a different way to connect it to measurement, to have a ruler in hand or to have a digital manipulative that'll actually help students to connect what's happening with a ruler to mm -hmm. what's happening in the math problem. Yeah. I like that idea of creating your own pieces that fit your rulers of like the half or the quarter and like that middle line down the middle, the longer line is like the half. And you can use those fraction pieces to show that two halves make a whole because sometimes kids forget that two halves make a whole. And you can just make your own manipulatives for anything. And I think that's a, a cool idea. And I'm going to say the 16th would be tough, but you can talk about the patterning in it. I wouldn't suggest making the 16th, but you could talk about the patterning and going from halves to fourths to eighths to then if we went, this was our pattern, right? We're doubling each time with a denominator. Well, what's the next one going to be? And then that's your 16th and you don't have to make that piece if we can connect that that's the pattern. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can definitely see some of my students wanting to create the 16th just because they can. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely in middle school I would 100% see kids that would be like I'm just gonna cut out these tiny little slivers of paper yep. and I'm just gonna <laughs> uh, them in. that's funny yeah so one of my favorite pieces of measurement is the idea of estimation and it's a valuable skill because a lot of times when students are working through a problem and they don't they have they don't know where to start I'll tell them to just give me a guess give me a number doesn't have to be good. Just give me a number. And like, then we plug that number in and see if it works and kind of estimate from there. Was that number too big, number too small and go from there. 
So what are some practical ways to help students develop estimation skills? This is a big one, too, because I know I hear oftentimes when students are thinking abstractly about measurement, they sometimes, especially little kids, will sometimes say feet when they mean inches, inches when they mean feet. So I think first and foremost is students need to have a solidified concept of what a single centimeter looks like or what a single inch looks like or what a single foot looks like. And I think for students, what would make most sense is is to create a reference point to attach it to them. So I know sometimes, I don't know where I learned this at some point in my life, you know, an adult size thumb, for the most part, obviously, give or take estimation is is the tip of your thumb to the first knuckle is about an inch. Um, so if we could find a reference point for students, and even if it's a little bit off, right? So we, if even if we give them that same reference point, yes, as a student in school, maybe they're not at that inch yet, but when they get older, that's a piece that would help them with it. So I would say like connect that inch to a thumb or connect the, a foot from like your wrist to your elbow, because that'd be roughly about a foot or um, maybe three feet is like from their hip to their ankle, like just to give them some kind of personal reference for estimation. Like, is it smaller than my forearm? Well, yeah, it's smaller than my forearm. So it's gotta be less than a foot. And I think having, some kind of personal reference point and keeping that concrete and something that's always on them physically. For most students, I know everybody's kind of differently abled, so there can be students who might not have that tool and you'd have to adapt a little bit. But I think if we connect it to them personally, it becomes easier to start to think about estimation. Because if I know that, you know, my thumb from one spot to another spot is about an inch, I should be able to guess the length of something that's less than a foot. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when they talk about, I know something that comes up a lot with my students in STEAM at least is we talk a lot about a lot of different animals and animal sizes. That's a big thing with estimation. And I usually end up showing them a picture of scale to show them like an animal versus an adult human mm-hmm. because you know, you can say something like today we were talking in summer school about dinosaurs and it was uh, 88 feet, a uh, dip, uh, diplosaur from nose to tail and they have no reference for what that is. So it was like, Oh, well it's like three school buses, you know? So I think just having something that's familiar, that is about the right size. Like a paperclip is also about an inch, but most little kids wouldn't have a good reference for a paperclip, but older kids might have an idea of what a paperclip looks like. So I think just connecting it to something that's concrete and real to them will help that estimation skill. And then again, just like anything else, like it's frequency. So using that estimation skill often is going to be really important to connecting that to accurate estimation or reasonable estimation. That is such a smart idea. I'd never considered before using like your thumb or your forearm to help you estimate length. I think that's a really smart idea. I'd always like done like the little finger test, you know, on certain things to be like, oh, that's like more than three inches or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never thought of using that with students. And I think that's a great idea because then it can really help them grasp understanding of different things. Like one of my favorite warmups, I do what I call math adjacent warmups, meaning that we're starting with something that's not necessarily curriculum based for our warmups, but it's just getting us warmed up for math that day. And I really love the estimation 180 
problems. And the beginning of the year is always the hardest because, like, they've never truly estimated before. Mm -hmm. And the very first one is estimating how tall the guy is. And you get some wacky numbers from kids of, like, oh, he's definitely seven feet tall. And I think just giving them the reference of, like, your forearm is one foot. Based on that, how many forearms tall do you think this person is? And that would be a, a good concrete way to help them figure out something abstract, especially in a picture where they can't actually go measure the item. There is, I know this is like totally a little bit off center, but there was someone at one point on TikTok that was on my For You page that I haven't seen in ages who was actually figuring out people's heights based on what was behind them in their photographs and they were using math to kind of like go and like use backwards design to figure out the height of the person compared to the things in the room they were in and how close they were to the camera or how far they were from the camera. And it it's fascinating because if you think about that in terms of estimation, right? So um, this is a podcast, so I'm going to explain a little bit, but there is a shelf behind me that when I stand up, I am shorter than that shelf, but right now the shelf is taller than I am. So that could figure into that whole estimation too of like, where is the furniture in the room? How tall is the door? Are you taller than a door or shorter than a door? Um, but I think that's really interesting because I do think what you just said is that students like don't truly estimate in a practical way, which is a whole other thing. Like we estimate and use friendly numbers and like third and fourth grade to do quick mental math, but students aren't really estimating actively unless you're doing something like estimation 180 and asking them to actually make a reasonable mathematical guess, basically, mm -hmm. that's not attached to like, oh, and then add it or, oh, and then multiply it. Like, just guess what it is. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. That's cool about the person on TikTok who does that. That That is fascinating. I'd love to learn more about how you do that because that would be a cool like party trick or a, a classroom trick of like figuring out how tall someone is based on something else. That would be pretty cool. If I come across that content again, I'll have to send you the content creator because it, yes. it really was fascinating to watch. That That's so cool. All right. So for teachers ready to kind of start implementing more measurement into their classroom, what are your top tips for them? So I mentioned this before briefly, but um, first and foremost, always start with a baseline. Um, one of the things that I do with my fifth and sixth graders is before we do anything with a measurement constraint, I literally just give them a half piece of paper. I hole punch it so that I can keep it for my data. And I ask them to draw two lines on it. And one might be, you know, seven and a half inches and the other one might be 10 centimeters or you know, 85 centimeters or something to that effect, just so that I can see um, where they're really at with measurement, if they know what they're doing. Um, I'm monitoring while they're doing that. It takes less than five minutes, but I want to see that they know how to hold the ruler, that they know where to start with the ruler. Because um, some kids do still struggle, whether it's zero or the end of the ruler, because not all rulers actually have the zero aligned to the end, which we know. But I use those results. Just I just do like a quick pass through, see if their measurements add up. And then I use that to kind of drive what I'm going to teach with measurement and how I'm going to adjust measurement. So that baseline is a big piece because you may have a group that might be more naturally inclined to measure, and then you might be able to skip the first part where they're 
you know, just measuring one inch intervals. Um, frequency is key. I mentioned that earlier too. It doesn't need to be a time suck. It doesn't need to be something that you're, you know, blowing out a whole lesson that you need for something else. It might go with number of the day, number talks, bell work, exit tickets, any little like tiny spots that you can get measurement in. And the estimation piece I really like too. You can bring it in that way and, and just have, you know, this is, here's this person or this object and give like a this or that. Do you think it's more likely this amount of feet or that amount of feet? Just to get them talking about and thinking a little more measurement. And then I did mention this also, but just to put measurement tools in your students' hands, the biggest struggle I see, and I touched on this earlier too, is that it our students really struggle to connect concrete to the abstract when it comes to measuring. And again, that's largely due to the way that standards are written and the pressures we're under as teachers to get everything taught and done and paced and be where the person in the next room is. But there's, there's those tiny moments here and there where you can actually do that or do something a little more project-based for a single lesson and just get students with measurement tools in their hands because they're, if they're still practicing the specific connection to the standards with a ruler in their hands, it's going to add more value for them in their practical skills and their measurement fluency. Those are some good tips. Thank you. That's always, it's always nice to have like a kind of a guide for when you're starting something new of like, well, what do I do first? I've learned all of this information. What is my first thing to do? And I like that your first tip was to just have them try a seven inch line or a 10 centimeter line and then go from there. That was a really good like first step. It's like a practical and easy and not a huge time in time and time intensive uh, Uh activity to do. And it can really give you an insight into what students know. I did this pie activity on pie day where they created like a cityscape using the centimeters of So like three, they did three centimeters. One, they did one centimeter. And I had a couple kids like try to use inches instead of Mm -hmm. centimeters. And I was like, it doesn't fit on the page. I was like, it's because you're using inches, not centimeters. And they didn't have the understanding that they were different. So then that could also be a key piece of understanding like, oh, they don't know what the difference is between them. That's going to be a good conversation to have. That's that's another error I see common and frequently also is like not knowing what side of the ruler to use, even though it's labeled students. Again, it's that concrete connection between centimeters are smaller than inches. And if they know that, then it's easier to connect to. So if you want a physical reference for a centimeter, it's probably like the length of your nail bed, you know, like just to give that that little piece there. Um, the one thing I was just going to interject for a second is that when you do put rulers in your students' hands, you have to decide what level of ruler helicopters you are comfortable with <laughs> um, because it is inevitable someone's going to make a ruler helicopter. They're going to put the ruler on the tip of their pencil. Not that I have to describe this because we all know what it looks like. And they're going to flip the ruler and make the propellers. So I have a resource somewhere where I, t- um, and I know it's a freebie. I'll, may, I'll have to give you the link, but it talks about how I introduce materials in my classroom. And that might be something that you might say to your kids when you start like, Hey, just, just this time, like put it on the pencil, make your helicopter, get it over with. We're moving on. Now it's a tool. It's not a toy. Mm -hmm. So um, just, just be prepared for and decide what level of ruler helicopter you're comfortable with because it will happen. And you just have to be able to kind of roll with it. (laughs) 
That's awesome. That's that's just my idea. I yeah, having a conversation up front about that with your students, letting them do it once, and then being like, mm, it's a tool now, not a toy. That's a smart idea. I like that. So you talked about one resource that you have to kind of help with like introducing materials to your students and helicopter or ruler helicopters. What are some other resources that you have to help teachers? So I mentioned earlier um, the toy theater resource. So in their virtual manipulatives, they do have a, they have an inch ruler and a centimeter ruler. Um, It is not to scale, but it's a great tool just for students to be able to move the arrow to the fractional units to see it names the fractional unit for them. It's not really asking them to do anything, but they can play around and explore. That would be a great way to start if you're not ready to put rulers in students' hands right away. Something I've used that is not my resource. um, It's a paid resource from Teachers Pay Teachers. It's by Joey Udovich and it's called Measurement Using a Ruler. Um, I have used this with my fourth and fifth graders. I don't believe I use it with my sixth graders, but it does a lot of the the work for you in terms of breaking down the ruler. She also has a huge printable um, scale ruler that you can hang in your classroom and like put up by your front, you know, your door or whatever, um, which I really like. I actually think I'm going to add it to my my exit door this year because I, I didn't hang it last year, but I printed it. Um, but it breaks things down really nicely and talks about ruler stuff. And I'm in the process of working on some daily slides that have those brief, like two minute measurement tasks in them. And I'm hoping, um, that by the time back to school season is in full swing in New York, I will have that done so I can use it with my students and I'll put it in my teachers pay teachers store and anybody else can use it with their students also. That's cool. I like the the daily slides. I'm all about those quick little things that you can do with students that because sometimes just the little quick things can be super impactful for them. So those are some good resources. Thank you for sharing. All right. So kind of as we wrap up our talk today about measurement, I always like to ask, what is your favorite math related joke or pun? I did remember we talked about this last time. So I... I did a little digging because I like a theme and I like things to be very on topic. So I looked for a measurement pun and I will tell you there are some awful ones out there. (laughs) So the best one that I found that I liked that was also student appropriate if you wanted to share it with a student is um, why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Why? Because then it would be a foot. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. play on words you know so like (laughs) if you know 12 inches is a foot you get what it is and there's a lot Uh of like mental visual stuff I thought it was cute and I was like the kids might actually like that too that is cute that one measures up yep (laughs) (laughs) all right so can you tell people where to find you so they can learn more sure so I am mathematically enthused on both Instagram and TikTok. I'm active on both. So if anyone wants to reach out, I'm currently sharing math uh, content and STEM STEAM content. So you'll get a little bit of both worlds if you're following me, but I love to connect with people. I am a natural extrovert. So if anyone has any questions, please do not hesitate to ask me because I just love to talk to people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise and your passion on measurement in the classroom. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. To find all the links and resources to things talked about in this episode, head on over to MissKuypersClassroom.com and click on podcast.